You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord If you know this song, sing it with me. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved me. He first loved us. It's a beautiful thing that God loved us before we ever loved him. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then John says it again a few verses later, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us us. God loved us first. And as we experience his love, we learn to love him in return. In fact, Jesus in Mark 12 verse 30 taught us to love God. Jesus said the greatest commandment in God's law for Israel was love the Lord your God. I think you know this one, so fill in the blanks. Love the Lord your God with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and with all your And for those of you online, they said heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they nailed it. Nice job. God, uh, Jesus taught us to love God. You used the screen, didn't you? No, you cheated. (laughs) Nice job. I'm sure some of you did it from memory. But Jesus, even as he taught us to love God, he also taught us to fear God. We talked about this a little bit in our lesson last week, kicking off this series, Do Not Fear, with do not in parentheses, because we are to fear some things, especially God. Luke 12, verse 4 and 5 says, Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Years ago, I had a friend who took the fear of God very seriously, maybe too much so. He was afraid that if he sinned and then died suddenly and did not have a chance to ask God for forgiveness, that he would be lost forever, that God would condemn him. Like he was afraid that if he got in a car accident and at the last moment saw what was about to happen... and, and, and an ungodly word came out of his mouth and then it happened and he died... And he went before God at the judgment. God would condemn him because he he had sinned and was not forgiven. So naturally, he lived in constant terror of God. I mean, how could you not? So much so that I wonder if he might have not understood how much God loved him. My mom was baptized into Christ when she was 17. Mom, if you're listening to this recording, I love you. Thanks for telling me this story. 
Mom told me once that she gave her life to the Lord because she was afraid of going to hell. At, at 17, that's why she gave her life to the Lord. You know, that's not a bad thing to be afraid of, actually. Didn't Jesus tell us to fear the one who has the power to throw us into hell? It's not a bad place to start in our faith, but it is a bad place to finish. It's okay to start with a healthy fear of God, but dread of punishment would be a sad place to end if we never grew beyond that point in our faith. I'm grateful that before I ever came to be, before I began to exist in my mother's womb, she was already growing into a deep knowledge of the love of God, and she she blessed me with that knowledge as I grew, and she still blesses me in that way today. Because mom told me the stories of what God has done for us and what he was doing for our family uh, over the years. And so Jesus taught us to both love God and fear God. But what kind of fear did he have in mind exactly? Because a constant terror of God does not seem to be what he had in mind. Well, about 1,200, 1,400 years before the time of Jesus, Moses taught Israel, just like Jesus taught us, to fear God. And Moses explained what that looks like when we fear God the way that he wants us to fear him. And so our text this morning is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here's the situation in the book of Deuteronomy. God has rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt and led them to the edge of the promised land, Canaan, to give them that land as he has promised their ancestor, Abraham. Now Israel is gathered at the Jordan River. They're ready to cross it and enter the promised land. But Moses knows that God has said Moses will not go with them into the promised land. Moses will die before he can go with them. And Deuteronomy is his final teaching to Israel to remind them of all that God has done for them and to remind them to follow God's laws. And so in chapter 6, as Moses is speaking to the people, he reminds them and teaches them to fear the Lord. This is what he says in chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you and to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Moses explains to Israel that he's speaking God's commands, decrees, and laws for them again, so that they may fear the Lord their God as long as they live. And he explains the core of how they are to fear God. In verse 2, he says, by keeping all his decrees and commands. So this is the core of what it means to fear God, obeying his commands. Fearing God properly is not intended to mean living in constant terror of him striking you down or sending you to hell, though he has the power to do that. But our God is a forgiving God if we're trying to walk with him. Fearing God means Uh, Fearing God properly means recognizing God has the power to punish us, 
so that we then obey his commands so that he doesn't have to. Fearing God the way he wants us to fear him means honoring him as our God, as our Lord and King, and as our good Father, showing our respect for him by doing what he tells us. And so Moses stresses Israel's need to obey God. Hear Israel and be careful to obey, he says in verse 3. And then their relationship with God will be right. God will bless Israel and all will go well for them. They will enjoy a long life, he says in verse 2. And in verse 3, he says, all will go well with them. And they will multiply in a rich land that God is providing for them as he promised. So what Moses is teaching Israel is a principle that we live by as well. That when we fear the Lord and obey him, life goes better for us. Our relationship with God is right. And we open ourselves to every blessing that he wants to give. Moses is teaching Israel to fear the Lord. But then, in the context of teaching them to fear the Lord, he surprises us. He says this in verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's the command that Jesus quoted in, in Mark. Moses surprises us here by talking about fearing the Lord in terms of loving the Lord. Now, those sound a lot like opposites to our ears, love and fear. But Moses puts them together in the same package of teaching. So, okay, how do you fear God and love God at the same time? What does that look like? Well, a question. As children, do we obey our parents because we're afraid of being punished by them if we don't obey? Or because we love them? In a healthy family, it's both, right? Children first learn to fear punishment, but then as they mature, they learn to appreciate their parents' love And then they obey willingly because they love their parents. They actually make the decision to obey their parents out of love. Why do you obey the laws of the land? Is it because you're afraid of being caught if you break the law? Or is it because you love our nation and our state and our city? Well, in a healthy society, you need both, right? Uh, There are times when we need to think about, I don't want to get caught and have to pay a fine or go to prison or some such. But as we mature, we also obey the law because we recognize that doing so makes our society better, and we love our people, and we want to be good citizens. So then, why do we obey God? Out of fear of punishment or out of love for Him? Well, as we grow mature in our faith, it becomes both. Like my mom, we might at first obey God out of fear of being sent to hell, and that's not an unhealthy fear. Jesus taught us to fear the one who has the power to send us to hell. But as we grow in the Lord, that fear matures into love so that we respect and honor the Lord and in that sense, fear him. Less because we're afraid of him and more because we love him. Because he first 
loved us. So our love for God comes to outweigh our fear, and it becomes the dominant motivation behind our obedience. And so fear of God and love of God coexist very naturally. I heard a story recently about a foster family that took in a teenage boy from a very dysfunctional, very unhealthy home. This mom and dad, foster mom and dad, loved this boy with all their hearts. They provided for him. Uh, They tried to create opportunities for him, tried to watch over him, how he was doing at school, tried to teach him things. But he had never experienced that kind of healthy love before, that kind of parenting before. And he kept disobeying them. And he would get into trouble, and he wouldn't listen. It was, it was just so frustrating. For months, they tried everything, and they loved him without reservation, but they just weren't making much progress with him. Until one day, after several months, his foster dad said to him, Why are you fighting us? We are trying to help you. And then somehow, that question penetrated The boy got it, and it changed everything about their relationship. He realized for the first time what it meant that these people who kept telling him what to do truly loved him. All their rules and their expectations came from their love so that they could guide him into a better life. It suddenly made sense to him for the first time. And so he started listening to them. And his whole life turned around. First, he learned to obey them. And then he even learned to love them because they had loved him first. That boy's story is our story. All God's commands for us come from his love. When he calls us to fear him, he's calling us to honor him and to obey him so that we can abide in his love and, then, and he can then bless us in all the ways that we need. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Now, fearing and obeying God don't always come naturally for us. And Moses, speaking to Israel, knows it's the same way for them. And he sees some dangers ahead if Israel is not careful and diligent about fearing God. And so Moses continues on to speak about these dangers, and he gives Israel some safeguards against them. And these are safeguards that can help us, too, to be consistent about fearing God and obeying his commands. And so Moses says in verse 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And you know, some people literally do that. In fact, uh, when we moved into our house in 2003, my wife went around and painted uh, passages of scripture on some of the doorposts. And I love that. It keeps God front and center in our home. 
This is what Moses urges the Israelites to do, to always keep God's commands at the center of their attention one way or another, by keeping God's commands on their hearts, by speaking God's laws to their children, by talking about them together, by tying them on their hands and foreheads, by writing them on their door frames and their gates, anything to keep God's commands front and center in our lives. Some of you might post Uh, passages of scripture on your refrigerator or sticky note them to your bathroom mirror so that you see them first thing in the morning. Or you might bring them up for conversation at the dinner table. Remember the Lord's commands and keep them in mind all the time. Think on them and follow them. This is a safeguard to keep us honoring the Lord, fearing him so that we obey him and then can enjoy his blessings. There are always a couple of dangers involved in fearing the Lord. Uh, One I've talked about already is fearing God too much, like my friend did, in which case we might forget how much God loves us. And the other is fearing God too little, in which case we might dishonor God by not obeying him, by not treating him as, as our God. It's this second danger that is that worries Moses the most in Deuteronomy 6. He's concerned that Israel might come to fear God too little. So look at what he says in verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So Moses warns the Israelites, when the Lord drives your enemies out of the land that he's giving you and he brings you into it and you get to take over their their houses that were already built there and the vineyards and olive groves that were already planted there, do not forget the one who gave all this to you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There's always danger that God's people might become so comfortable in his blessings that we actually forget the one who has blessed us. That foster son might do so well and become so comfortable in his new home that he might forget how his foster parents became the first to give him a stable home and food on the table every day, how they made sure he did his homework and got a good education, how they worried and prayed and worked so hard because they loved him so much. But the safeguard against forgetting is simple. Remember. Just be intentional about remembering. Moses urges Israel to remember how much God has done for them, how he brought them out of slavery in Egypt and gave them a good land. Because if they do, if they will fear the, <clears throat> excuse me, if they will fear the Lord, then all will go well for them. Just remember and be grateful. What's that song that our, our brother Jim Mendenhall likes so much? Jim, what's that song? Count, count something? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. What a great message for us today and every day. 
Remembering and appreciating God's goodness to us keeps our hearts sensitive to him so that we are diligent to follow him, so that we honor and fear him as we should. Count your many blessings. Moses says to Israel in verse 13, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. Moses mentions here two ways that Israel might fear God too little. In verse 14, there's a danger that Israel might follow other gods like the nations around them did. That would make the one God who really exists jealous, and his anger would burn against them, and after all he had done for them, he would punish them. If that foster son doesn't learn to obey his foster parents, what will happen to him? They may love him with everything they have, but if he will not respond, they may not be able to keep him in their home. God loves us, but to enjoy the benefits of his love, to stay in his family, to stay in his kingdom, we have to fear and obey him. And the other danger that Moses mentions here is in verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. The people might test God. They might make him angry by their obnoxious behavior. Massah is in Exodus chapter 17, shortly after God brought Israel out of Egypt and before they got to Mount Sinai where he gives them the Ten Commandments. Massah was a place where the Israelites quarreled with Moses. They were angry. They were frustrated because they had no water there. They complained. They were obnoxious. And instead of remembering the power of God, who had just worked mighty miracles to bring them out of slavery in Egypt, uh, they, instead of asking him for water, which he would have gladly given them, they quarreled and they complained and they were obnoxious toward God. We are not fearing God as we should, and we're certainly not loving him as we should, if we treat him disrespectfully. And so Moses gives a couple of safeguards against these dangers, too. In verse 13, he says, serve God alone. Don't follow any other gods. We might say today, in addition to not following idols and other religions, don't let pleasure or money or family or career or politics or anything else, and certainly not any other religion, take priority over God in your life. Keep him first in everything. And from verses 18 and 19, Moses says, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, and it will go well with you. That foster son the less he tested his foster parents and the more he obeyed them, the better his life became. The more we obey the Lord, the more we get to enjoy the benefits of living in his presence. And then Moses says in verse 20, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, 
We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Moses gives one last safeguard here to help Israel fear the Lord and obey his commands. He calls the Israelites to tell their children the story of what God has done for their people. Kids are going to ask their family why it does what it does, right? As they're learning and growing, sometimes they just want a reason not to do it, but often they, they really want to know, why, why do we do these things, especially if it's different from what other people do? Why do we have these rules? Why do I have to clean my room? Why, why do we follow the Lord? They ask about everything, and they should. When Israelite children asked why their family obeyed God's laws, the answer was the story of how God had rescued their ancestors from slavery in Egypt by his awesome power and had given Israel their own land. When our children or anyone else, maybe someone you want to see follow Jesus, when they ask why we obey God's commands when so many people around us don't, the answer is the story of what God has done for us in Jesus, how God gave his son to die for us, how Jesus' death became a sacrifice that pays for our sins and washes us clean in God's sight. How it gives us a new start in life. How God loves us and does not want to condemn anyone for wrongdoing. But like that foster family, wants to take us as his own children and turn our lives around and make them something beautiful and holy and pure in his sight. How he wants to pour out on us all the blessings of life in his presence if we will fear him and obey his commands. And so this is what it means to fear God. Not so much standing in constant terror of his judgment and punishment and hell, though we do need a little bit of that. We need to understand his power and that he will judge the world. But most of all, it means recognizing both his awesome power and his awesome love that we love because he first loved us. And then we respond by honoring him and obeying his commands, and we learn to love him as he loves us. And it all begins with this fact. God loved us first. He loved Israel first. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He called them then to love and fear him in return. God loved us first and gave us Jesus to die for us and to bring us to God. And so he calls us to love and fear him in return. And so fear the Lord, obey his commands, and grow in his excellent love. And may God, who loved us before we ever loved him, bless you today. Let's pray together. God, our good Father, we thank you for your great love. And we honor you as the creator of all things, as God over our lives, as the God who one day will judge the world, and as the one who has the power to send to hell.
And we fear you, O Lord, as Jesus taught us to. Help us to do so in the proper way, Lord, with full reverence for your awesomeness, your holiness, your glory, and with full appreciation for all your goodness and love. Lord, you have taught us not only to fear you, but also to love you, for you are a good father to us. So, Lord, just help us this week to walk with you faithfully, to obey your commands, and to grow in your love. We thank you, we praise you, and we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.